morning. It's really lovely to be here this morning. We've had a great week. We've done two night flights, so I'm quite tired. And um, I've also been to East Africa. And you guys have not yet met East African Anna. So you might want to put your seatbelts on and get ready because uh, it's been a great week and we feel really encouraged that God is on the move. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it when you look at the news, but God is on the move. His kingdom is extending across the whole world in places where they're not allowed to be Christians. Actually, people are coming to faith and they, it's just beautiful to see what God is doing. We um, had a, a really wonderful time with the leaders of the church movement there um, across the whole of the Horn of Africa. And they were um, trying to work out together their vision and their values and their culture, something that has never been done in this people group. Um, and uh, it was just amazing. They are warrior people. And you sit these men who are men of such bravery and strength. They've almost all been to prison. They've almost all been beaten up. They've almost all lost family members and lost their fathers in the faith through persecution. And yet you're standing there, um, like just sitting, listening to them. I just observed this bit because it was just so special. And they worked together. It was such hard work. And you could see it, um, just the effort that it took for them to be able to work together and not fight each other and say, no, I want what I want and you can't have what you want and because that's how they would work as a people group because they're warriors but they actually settled and they, it was amazing it was actually like watching someone giving birth they were it was so much effort you could see the effort that was going into forcing through this vision that God had given them I just want to read you um, in Revel Revelation 6 it says um, and when he'd opened the fifth seal I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given a, a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. And in that room, as they were preparing, you could almost hear that cry coming, how long, how long is it going to be? And then you just saw all these men standing up saying, we will die for it. We will advance the kingdom of God. And it was absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for releasing us. Um, you know, we're in the West. We are too comfortable in our faith with Jesus. We really are. We've got too used to it being easy to share the gospel. And it's actually made us people who are afraid to share the gospel in case we offend our friends. I can pretty much guarantee that nobody is going to try and kill you if you tell your friend the gospel but yet we don't do it very often. I don't know about you, but probably 75% of the time I'll choose to not share the gospel, even though I know that I probably could. might offend the person, but I probably could. And if I did it well, I probably wouldn't offend them at all. And I just felt that challenge that it's time for us to wake up and start advancing the kingdom of God and stop being so afraid all of the time about what may happen. Um, and actually, we need to look to our partners in the faith in parts of the world where they are persecuted to learn how to be brave believers, because I think we're not, really, if I'm truthful. So that's my East Africa sum up. That's not even a preach yet. So we'll get going with the preach. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? So we're looking today at the unexpected messenger. This is the beginning of our um, Christmas series. But I wanted to give you a bit of background. We're going to be reading from Luke. So if you want to stick your finger in the Bible of Luke and the book of Luke, that's where we'll be going from Luke 1. Um, ready? But I want to give you a bit of background, first of all. So before this point, there's a massive history before it. But God's plan from the beginning with Adam and Eve was that the whole earth would be filled with people who lived at peace with God, who walked with him peacefully and chose to live to please God with their lives. But even when Adam and Eve messed it up, um, he didn't give up on us as a people he actually carried on his plan through Abraham and then later on the nation of Israel. You can see right from the beginning in Genesis that there is a promise 
that a king would come from the line of Judah. And as Israel grew as a nation, they went through a glorious period of time where they lived how God intended them to be, where they lived at peace and all was good. But actually, Israel became proud and sinful. They started ignoring God and not being faithful to him. They started worshipping other gods. In fact, some of their kings worshipped, um, sacrificed their own children to other gods. However, as the nation grew, God gave them lots of opportunities to come back, to ask for forgiveness, to choose to be different, but they didn't. And because of the hard-heartedness and disobedience, they ended up splitting into two nations, Israel and Judah. And then eventually, with more warnings coming from God and asking them to come back to him and to honor him and worship him, God eventually allowed them to be captured, sent into exile, and some returned in the end, but in the end they were ruled by foreign kings. But all through this, the prophets in the Old Testament had prophesied that a day was coming when the kingdom of God would be extended, that people would worship God in spirit and truth, that actually a king was coming who would rule with justice, love and mercy. One in the line of David, the king of uh, Israel, who was the good king, who actually loved God with all of his heart. Many of the Psalms that you read are from King David. And there was a promise that one was coming in the line of King David. But King David was also a warrior king. He extended the borders of Israel. He fought, and he, um, that's why God wouldn't allow him to build the temple, actually, because he'd been a king of war. There is, in 2 Samuel 7, you read this promise that God will establish David's throne forever. We're promised this king of justice and comfort. In Isaiah 42, we read about a bruised reed he won't break. A promise of a kingdom that could never be destroyed. That's in Daniel 7. A land of feasting and joy. And we get this wonderful promise that God himself would save them and would swallow up death forever. And that's in Isaiah 25. So as the Old Testament closes, we have these promises. And then we have a promise which brought many years of sadness, which was that God would no longer speak to his people through the prophets, that there would be silence from God. You can read that in Amos 8, where it talks about that there wouldn't be a famine just of bread, but also of the word of God would stop. And then the last book, you get this in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So we finish the Old Testament with a promise that one was coming who would prepare the way for the Saviour, also known as Messiah. If you hear me say Messiah, it just means Saviour. I'll try not to use it because it's a bit of a... Um, it's not just use Saviour's easy, isn't it? But we've had this complete period of silence. For 400 years, there has been nothing. And then the amazing Messiah, who was prophesied about at least 300 times in the Older Testament, appears not as expected, not as a warrior king riding down on a horse out of heaven, coming to rescue his people and establish physical borders. And you can see that in John 1 as well. But he comes as a baby, starting with this message from an angel. So let's read what happens in Luke Luke 1, we're going to start at um, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abadah. And he, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And then we'll skip on to verse 11. It says, And as he went into um, the, the temple, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. 
And Zechariah was troubled and he, when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to their Lord, their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, remember what I read before, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah says to the angel, how can it be? Because I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, basically saying, um, just look. Um, I'm an angel standing in front of you. Um, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And because of that, actually, uh, Zechariah was made silent. And then we read in 24 that his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden away. And then we'll uh, go to 26, where it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel again was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, and the Son of God. And then in verse 38, we read, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. So we get this wonderful start of the angel Gabriel appearing to two very different people. Now, I, know, um, I was a bit sad, actually, that I was preaching on this day because I was supposed to be in with the kids, the little ones, love being in with them, for, um, about the angels. And that's my favourite week because you get to make little, like, peg angels. They're so fun. The kids leave the room. They're covered in glitter from head to toe. They've got, like, glitter in their snot. They've got glitter everywhere. It's just, I'm, I'm sure at Christmas, children poo glitter. I'm sure that must be what happens. And um, I love it. It's so fun. And we run around the room making trumpets. And it's very, very exciting to be in the children's work when it's this time of the year. It's exciting at other times, but the glitter adds a little bit of sparkle to it. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think of an angel appearing. I don't know what comes in your mind. I don't know whether you get that, pit, that thing of when you're in Sunday school and you make a dolly angel and it's all very fun. But actually, um, it's, I don't think it would have been quite like that. Now, I've got a little unexpected message for somebody here this morning who's going to help me just with a little demonstration. And don't worry, it's you, Simon, but it's not that I'm pregnant. You're all right. Do you want to grab the... Uh, <laughs> can you grab the black bag under the seat? <laughs> it's always good to warn him. It's happened so many times. You have to... <laughs> I don't want him to faint. So um, I don't know what your image is of an angel, but I've had a little bit of help from my friends to help Simon just look like what might be your image of an angel. So obviously, they have wings because they fly, obviously. So we'll put some wings on. We would have got you white ones, but we couldn't find any because you're a boy angel. And obviously, the halo. You cannot be an angel without a halo. And oh, and she also helpfully just gave me a little bit of glitter because angels are sparkly. They've been in the presence of God. So we should just make sure you look really lovely there, love. There you go. And uh, there you go. Look, an angel of the Lord. Uh, yeah. Thank you, sir. You can sit down. Thank you. you can take it off. You can take it off. I was going to pack wet wipes so you could take it off, but actually I forgot to pack the wet wipes, sorry about that. Um, 
Actually, the angel Gabriel, Gabriel's another word for the man of God, he also appears to Daniel, which is recorded in uh, Daniel 8 and 9, and he was so frightening that Daniel fell to the ground and he was overcome with, uh, with sickness for several days. That's how frightening it was when the angel Gabriel appeared. In Revelation 10, it's not talking about the angel Gabriel, but it's talking about another mighty angel. It says that the angel is described as wrapped in a cloud. His face was like the sun, legs like pillars of fire with a loud voice like a lion. You know, Gabriel was in the presence of God, so he would have reflected the glory of God. It wouldn't have been a Sunday school version of an angel. It would have been a powerful encounter with someone who reflected the glory of God. So as you read this, and as we talk about this, I want you to remember that that's what would have happened to Zachariah and Mary. No wonder they were greatly troubled. I would be greatly troubled if uh, that happened in my daily life. Um, I have seen an angel once, but that's a whole other story. You can ask the kids, they all know that story. So I want to make three points from this passage. The first one is that it's an unexpected message to unexpected people. Secondly, that it's unexpected responses. And thirdly, unexpected good news. So number one, unexpected message to unexpected people. Do you know, nobody would have expected the angel Gabriel or God to use the people that he did. Nobody would have been prepared for that. Essentially, God chose an old, infertile couple and a young virgin girl, not exactly the people that come into your mind for the coming of the kingdom of God. In the case of Zechariah, Luke is really quick to clarify in verse 6 that he, was bl- that he walked blamelessly before the Lord. That's not saying that he wasn't sinful. He was, but he walked righteously before God and he was faithful to God, as was his wife. He's making it clear that it would have been really hard for them to be childless. Because actually the understanding then was that if if people had honoured God, that he would bless them by giving them children. Yet Zachariah and Elizabeth continued to live a righteous life, even though they hadn't been given a child. Um, I, I felt as I was preparing and just going through this this morning, Um, that I feel there's people here that you almost have in your head that God is punishing you because life hasn't worked out the way you were expecting it to. And you feel like God is punishing you. You don't understand it because actually you have lived to try and please God with your life. You don't purposefully walk in sin. You do try to live a life that pleases God. And yet things in your life don't seem to reflect that. And I just felt as I was praying about it that actually Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful and yet God didn't give them a child. Actually, some things happen in our life and it's not a punishment from God. It's the reality of living in a fallen world, but that God just wants to break that thinking in your mind of I'm being punished. God loves you. He loves you so much. And actually, you need to walk with him in whatever you're going through. And then we get Mary. She was an insignificant girl, probably about 16, and she was from a little town, Nazareth, in Galilee. In John 1, 46, we get Nathaniel saying, can anything good come from Nazareth? It was a dump, basically. Nobody wanted to live there. It was, you know, rough. The people were rough. It's a bit dodgy around the edges. I don't know if that reminds you of anywhere. I don't, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but that's um, who God appeared to, and that's the place that things happened. Um, Mary was a woman. She had no legal rights. She had limited earning capacity on her own. She was completely dependent on others. She couldn't survive in society without a man to look after her. And then her fiancé, Joseph, well, surely, if God is coming to earth, he would choose a king to be born to, or somebody really special. But actually, Joseph was just a carpenter. That's not meant to be offensive to Chris, sorry about that. But that's what he did. He was just an ordinary chap, normal guy, and um, he loved God. You can see he was a righteous man. But actually, they were just a normal person. The virgin girl that he appeared to was just going about her normal life, obviously pleasing God. Both situations, you can see, require a miracle for God's plan to come about. There's no way that God's plan could have come about without a miracle. 
I read this amazing quote. It says this, man's extremity is God's opportunity. I just thought that's so helpful, isn't it? I don't know how you view yourself. Are you expecting that God can use you? Or do you feel that you're just too broken to be used? In Isaiah 42, this is what he said about Jesus. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. You are never too broken for God to use you in your life. Do you feel like you're not clever enough? You don't have an English GCSE. You didn't go to university. You know, you feel a bit weak, actually, in yourself. You think you wouldn't be able to, you know, argue very well or talk about God in a way that people would understand. Well, actually, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, we read, God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Actually, it doesn't matter how you view yourself. God can use you to extend his kingdom. Now, many of you will have met my brother Daniel. He has Down syndrome. He's 22. He has limited speech. You know, he's he's a man with learning difficulties. And he he, he can be hyper-embarrassing, actually, in um, social situations. He, he, um, he, He doesn't stick to social boundaries. He just rampages through life. Um, But uh, Daniel has seen people become Christians. He can't speak very well, but he has. And it's because he loves Jesus like a child. He hasn't got all the complications of adulthood. He loves Jesus like a child. And actually, when people look at him, the hardest of hearts have ended up being turned to Jesus because they have seen in him the beauty of a person who loves Jesus and who serves him with their life, who doesn't mind singing in Costa about Jesus very loudly or standing up and sharing the gospel with people while they're standing in the sea, all these situations. I'm like dying in the background and he, lo- he loves it. He just carries on because he loves Jesus. You know, if you don't feel special or important enough, that is a lie over your life. You are. God has saved you and rescued you. God has chosen you as an unexpected messenger to share the good news of Jesus, to comfort and save those in need, to pray for the sick and see them healed. When was the last time you prayed for a friend who said to you, I'm not very well, who doesn't know Jesus? Well, you are the unexpected messenger into that person's life to bring the kingdom of God into that person's life. If God doesn't heal them, don't worry about it. If God heals them, what a wonderful testimony to that person of the power of God. And I can promise you, because I do pray for people to be healed, that actually you speak to them about the love of God by being concerned enough to go through the momentary embarrassment of saying, can I pray for you to be healed? It says something to people about the love of God. There are people here who God wants to use you as a messenger to protect the weak and to bring justice to those who are oppressed. God's, man's extremity is God's opportunity. And I want you to remember, try and remember that. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. However you feel about yourself, your extreme limits, that is God's opportunity to use you and to do something miraculous through your life. After Gabriel appears, he gives each person the message, and then let's look and see how these people responded. The responses actually are really different than what we'd expect, aren't they? So we get Zachariah. He was a mature man. He was a priest. He's a man of faith. He'd been given this huge honor of being chosen to be the one priest out of many. They had 24 orders of priests. There would have been many, many priests. But he had been chosen to be the one who would enter the holy place and would be able to go where God's glory dwelt. It's an event that happened once a year on one day. And Zechariah was chosen. He would have been considered rich and holy afterwards. Zechariah would have um, known all the prophecies about the Elijah to come. And surely, as the angel Gabriel was speaking, he would have remembered those promises. A baby for Zechariah and Elizabeth would have been such good news. It would have been exciting. It would have been an answer to prayer. Surely, 
When Gabriel told Zechariah his prayer had been heard, Zechariah would have remembered all the times that Hinnom and Elizabeth would have cried out to God for a baby. He would have remembered those times. There would have been so many you can imagine. But he would have also remembered his prayers for the redemption of Israel. He would have been, he was a priest, so he would have prayed, Lord, redeem us as a people. We're oppressed by all these, by the Romans. Come and release us. Come and bring your kingdom. Yet, Zechariah speaks from unbelief. Even though Gabriel has told him good news, Gabriel, who stood in the presence of God and was sent to him to deliver a message, Zechariah still did not believe. When Gabriel says, do not be afraid, it is actually another way of saying, have faith. And yet, despite being a faithful, righteous man of God, Zechariah did not respond with faith, but he responded with disbelief and skepticism. Skepticism with respect to God's promises is inexcusable, and that applies to us as well. And I know that I've been skeptical many times, but it's not okay, actually, when it comes to God's promises. And so, actually, Zechariah was made silent until John was born. Then we get Mary. Mary's response is the complete opposite. A young girl who would have just been doing normal life... She got the same initial fear, because you'd be strange if you didn't, and, but she, and she was troubled. But when, Zachariah, when Gabriel tells her that she'll be the virgin mother of the Messiah, the Saviour, as prophesied in Isaiah 7, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. Mary just asked practically, you know, how will this happen? She's a virgin, and I assume all of us here know how babies are born, but they're generally not born to virgins. Um, And she believes him, and she says, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me. Mary shows complete obedience, and yet a baby for her was going to be absolutely terrifying. Her life could potentially be completely ruined. She was going to probably lose her fiancé, her reputation, any future prospects of marriage, her security, her home. And actually, biblically, in the Old Testament, she could have been stoned for having a baby outside of marriage. It's amazing, isn't it, that this ordinary girl who clearly loved God and would have walked past her in the street and thought nothing. Inside, she was as brave as a lion, wasn't she? Absolutely so brave. Um, And actually, if you're a young person here, just don't think because I'm young, I can't be brave. It's not true that age necessarily relates to how faithful you are to God, how much faith you have. You can be young and really courageous. Mary knew that God always fulfills his promises. She knew that the troubles of this world are nothing compared to the honour of being obedient to God. You know, we're called to be brave like Mary, to respond to faith challenges, to respond to unexpected events like Paul passing. We're called to respond to them with bravery, faith and courage. When God's plan is unlike what we think it should have been, we are called to be brave and to be faithful. You know, when me and Simon were going to get married, well, we were thinking about getting married, we were still quite young, and we've been dating for a while, and we got to that stage where, you know, you've either got to say, we're going to carry it on and get married, or, you know, no, I'm not interested. Um, We got to that stage, and Simon, being the sap that he is, had been really, I love you, I just so love you. I know you can't see it now, but he did, honestly. He was like, I love you, I just, you know, I'd really like to marry you. I know we're still young, and we probably can't get engaged for a while, but I'd really like to marry you. I think we're well seated, all of that talk. And um, I was like, yeah, okay, because I did love him as well. It was a lovely chap. And I thought, oh, yeah, he is lovely. I, I would quite like to marry him. But I did the godly response, mainly because I thought I should, not actually because I probably wasn't the first thought that came to my mind. But I was like, I'm going to go and pray about that because that's how you should respond to major life changes, actually, before you do them is pray. So um, I went off and I prayed. Uh, and in honesty, I prayed a bit of a half-hearted prayer. It was a bit like, Lord, I'm going to marry Simon. You're going to have to stop me if you don't want me to something along those lines and uh, God very clearly spoke to me and he said to me if you marry Simon 
He will go to very dangerous places. I want you to agree, before you even get engaged to him, that you are willing to place your children and yourself and your husband in danger. Even though I was actually really young, I knew that I had to be absolutely confident that I could do that and that I would never use our, my, me and my children as an excuse for Simon not to go to places or for us not to go to places as a family. So I promised God that. Now, in my young head, I thought, I'm going to do this amazing stuff because I was trained to be a nurse. So I was like, I'm going to do this amazing stuff. I'm going to live in a mud hut in Africa. I'm going to save millions of lives as I work in this hospital. I'm just going to be like amazing. And Sai will be there doing something amazing alongside me. <laughs> Quite a selfish young girl, can you tell? And um, I just... And actually, that is not how our life has worked out. How it has worked out for me is that I released my husband to go. I'm at home doing the dirty nappies and the kids and being up all night and then doing the school run when you're not really awake and you're a bit worried because you've realised you've got your knickers on the wrong way around. It happens so much when you have children, you won't believe it. Um, and that's been my thing that God has asked me to do. I get to go now a little bit, which is really exciting, and we've, brought, we've taken our children several times as well, which has been exciting, but the majority of the time, what God has asked me to do is to release my husband to go, and I've been the one who stays at home. Unexpected plan of God in my life, but actually, God requires me to do it with bravery and with faith. I don't know what you think God's plan for your life, but actually all of us need bravery and we need faith. Um, we get the added advantage, which Mary wouldn't have had, which is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have God himself living inside of us. Um, in Matthew, 1, Matthew 11, Jesus says, the gospel advances forcefully and forceful men lay hold of it. Now, whatever your theology is on the last bit of that verse, we're not going to go into that now because it takes a long time, to be honest, it's a bit boring. Um, the, the truth is, the gospel advances forcefully. And if you are going to advance the gospel, you cannot be afraid. You cannot be that person that says, oh, oh, I do want to advance the gospel, but I don't want to tell people about Jesus. The gospel advances forcefully because we declare the gospel to people. If you're afraid, it's okay. So am I a lot of the time. So is everybody a lot of the time. But in, in um, 1 Peter, we read this about Sarah, Abraham's wife, who I think we can all agree her life would have been pretty terrifying at points. She says, it says about her, and she was honoured because she did not fear the frightening things. It's not a denial of that things are frightening, but she didn't fear them. She chose to be brave and to not be fearful. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, verse 13, we read, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, and be strong. That's the commandment that God gives us, is to be people who stand firm in the faith, who are men or women of courage, and that we're strong. In the ESV, this is a little note to men. I don't want to overstep my mark because I am a woman preaching, but I'm just going to say what it says, and then I'm going to leave the men in the room to interpret it however they so feel God may place on their heart. But it says, in the ESV, it doesn't say be men of courage. It says act like men. That's what it says. Act like men. There's a lot of women who act like men. And in our society, I think arguably, there are fewer and fewer men who are acting like men. That's all I'm going to say. Interpret it yourself. <laughs> oh. So, <laughs> I've lost my track now. Um, <laughs> honestly, who are you more like? Who are you more like? Are you more like Zachariah or are you more like Mary? Have you actually become a bit sceptical towards God's promises? Do you know, it's a real challenge, isn't it? I've been a Christian since I was a little girl, and it is a real challenge to not become sceptical towards God's promises, even when life just doesn't seem to support the fact that God will fulfill his promises. But actually, we are not to become sceptical towards God's promises. Have you lost faith? As God hasn't answered your prayers, as you've cried out to him and he hasn't done what you asked for, have you lost faith? If you've been praying for revival, 
Have you lost faith that God will do that because you can't see it happening at the moment? Or are you more like Mary? Are you brave as a lion? Are you eager to be obedient to the call of God, whatever it may cost you and whatever it may involve, which for actually probably 99% of us is just living our normal everyday life, going to work, looking after the kids, being at school, if you're retired, meeting people, doing all the community work, which I know many of you do, but just going about doing those things, being brave as a lion, ready for when someone says to you, this is happening in my life, instead of saying, oh, okay, they're there, we say, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you what he's done for you in your life? Can I tell you that he is the answer to everything that is happening in your life? Your life may not be easy, when you choose to follow Jesus, but he is the answer. He gives us that peace that surpasses understandings. When we shouldn't actually have peace, we can have peace. So I want to challenge you today. What are you like in your life? Who do you respond more like? Then thirdly, we get unexpected good news. You know, the Jewish people, they were expecting a warrior king who would come and extend the physical kingdom of Israel. Now, I'm not going to go into that either, because that's a whole other thing. But um, what actually happened wasn't that, was it, on that, when Jesus first appeared? Can you, you can see that they were expecting this physical kingdom to appear, because Peter grabs a sword when they come to get Jesus to kill him. He grabs a sword ready, he's ready, because he knows as a Jewish person that actually Jesus was going to come, and he was going to extend their kingdom, and they were going to fight, and they were going to get back their lands, which God had promised them. You can see it in the fear of the Pharisees, that actually they were so frightened that Jesus would rise up and that he would replace them as being the top authority in in society. But the unexpected good news is this, that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, that those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them his light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy in the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will achieve this. When Jesus came, he came and he defeated the real problem, which is he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he defeated Satan when he died and rose again. That's what Jesus came. He came to extend his kingdom and his salvation to all people groups, not just one, but all people groups. It's a wonderful truth that the unexpected good news of Christ is that we, as people, non-Jewish people, are able to enter the kingdom of God. It's unbelievable, isn't it, that that would be the good news of Jesus. Actually, if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're thinking, what on earth is this woman talking about? Well, actually, it says the people walking in darkness. The Bible talks about when we get things wrong, we use the word sin, um, but it's when we get things wrong, when we think things and do things, and those things that you think, I'm so glad that it's not projected on a screen, what I'm thinking. Well, actually, I think that a lot less because I tend to just say it. Getting better as I get older. But um, that's, well, God sees all of those things. He can't let them go because he's a God of justice. He can't say, well, it's okay because you're not a murderer. I know you've really upset that person, but it's all right. You didn't murder anyone, so, you know, I just let it off. Actually, God is a God of justice, and he has to actually punish things that are wrong. He has to bring justice. And the cost of that is that we have that physical separation and the spiritual separation from God. We're not able to go before God because of our sin. It separates us. But actually, when Jesus dies on the cross, he was the only person, fully God, fully man. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. That's amazing, isn't it? He never sinned in thought as well as in action. He never sinned. And when he died on the cross, he took the cost of all that we've done against him. He took, momentarily, he was separated 
from God the Father. I mean, it's so immense, you cannot get your head around it, that Jesus, who is God, was separated from God the Father. It's unbelievable. But that's what happened, that Jesus did that for you. He took the cost. He made it so that you can approach the throne of God. You can stand before God. And when he sees you, he doesn't see all the things you've got wrong. He sees Jesus and Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' holiness, Jesus' goodness. He sees all of those things when he looks at you. That is the wonderful truth of the gospel. He died for you so that you can walk in the light because nobody wants to walk in the darkness. You can't see where you're going and it's relatively frightening to be in the darkness. When you accept Jesus and what he's done for you and you choose to live for him, make him king of your life, Like Mary, it doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to become easier. In fact, in honesty, when you're obedient to Jesus, some aspects of life become harder because you become aware that the way that you've been treating people or the things that you would normally respond to in a certain way, you can't do that anymore. You have to be different. You have to live like Jesus. That actually, it's the joy of knowing the love of God and knowing that when you die, your body may die, but you are going to rise with Christ. You are going to be with him forever and ever and ever. There will be no bad thing. Where you are going, there will be no bad thing. Nothing bad will happen. Another thing that we can never get our head around, is it? Isn't it? When we were singing that song this morning and it said, um, blessed be your name when everything seems right in the world. And I thought, isn't it funny that we sing, I do like the song. Sorry, it's not a criticism of the song. I, I do like the song. But that's a never a complete truth, is it? There's always something happening in the world that's wrong. There's always something happening in the world that's terrible. There's be babies dying of diseases that could be prevented right now. That's the truth of the world in which we live. But Jesus came and he died on the cross so that we can all know the freedom of loving Jesus and knowing we will be with him forever, that this life is temporary and we will be with him forever and ever. I'd love to talk to you more about that um, if you don't know Jesus. So come and find me afterwards. I'm wearing a very red dress, so you'll be able to find me. If you're a believer... Jesus has broken into your life. He set you free from darkness. So don't walk in it. Walk in the light. We've got the joy of walking in the light with Jesus. He has enabled you to overcome sin in your life. He has given you everything you need to live a life of holiness and to live a life that pleases Jesus. Not that you'll be perfect. You you won't. You'll get stuff wrong. But actually, we get to live a life knowing that when we approach Jesus, we can say, I'm so sorry. I completely messed that up. And he doesn't come up to us and say, yes, you did. You're rubbish. He comes to us and says, I forgive you. I forgive you. Carry on. Keep going. You know, I can cover that. My sin, my death on the cross covers your sin so you can live a life that pleases pleases him. You know, when I was preparing this message, I found it really difficult to prepare, to be honest, because of Paul passing. But how we respond as a church and as a group of believers and as an individual believer, how you grieve, we grieve as those with hope, we choose to believe in the sovereignty of God. You know, he rules over the unexpected. He is the king who sits on the throne. He is ruling and reigning and he forever will be. Nothing will change that He has the victory. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. And sometimes it doesn't even make sense. You just think, what is going on? But God is ruling and reigning. They are the never-failing truths of our life that we hold on to at all times, that Jesus is seated on the throne and he is ruling and reigning. And one day we will understand the things that we don't. One day we'll see what God was doing and that's the truths that we hold on to. I'll finish with this beautiful promise, which is that all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord People from every tribe and tongue and nation, they will worship him together and they'll worship well. It will sound good, which is always encouraging, isn't it? Because, yeah, there's times when it doesn't. You've got a part to play. God has works for you to do. He has things for you to do. So be brave. Step into the things that God has for you. Stop being afraid and be brave. Remember, God uses the weak things of this world to shame the wise. If you feel weak, it's okay. 
We're all weak. It's knowing that you're weak before God, but it doesn't matter because God himself lives inside of you and gives us the strength to do the unimaginable things that you never thought you could do. God is able to give you everything that we need. Um, I'm going to get the band to come up, that's all right. I felt like there are three areas, really, um, that it would be good for us to respond to today. Um, I also have, um, had, I had a really powerful encounter with God this week. We've, we're a bit insomnic at the moment, but um, I was lying awake in bed being annoyed because my husband, as always, was fast asleep, just beautifully sleeping. So annoying, isn't it, when you're wide awake and you just want to punch him and wake him up and say, oh, sorry, are you awake? Whoops. Um, but I was like, so, I was just lying there and I was like praying because um, it's a good thing to do when you're, you're awake. Um, and I was praying away, and I had this immensely powerful encounter with God, probably the most powerful encounter I've had with God, and, well, I don't think I've had one like it before. And God spoke to me so powerfully in the night, and he reminded me to stop being a scaredy cat and um, to stop hiding parts of me that I've packed away, um, that they're to come back out. Um, I'm sorry about that. You might find that a bit frightening as time goes on. But I've really, um, I really felt God talk to me about that. And as I was praying, I um, just felt God give me specific words for some people. So I'm going to share them now. I think the majority of them are here. If they're not, I'll write them down and give them to them. But uh, Steve and Sarah Mewitt, where are you? Do you understand, guys? I felt God um, has just told me that he's laid a burden on you for this heart for Halsham that you've had for a long time. And you're starting to feel it more and more and more. And um, you're feeling God tell you, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. And you just, you can't see it happening, actually. But God is going to open up for you the time and the energy that you're going to need to fulfill the works that God has spoken to you about. And I just felt him say, don't be afraid of the cost of that. Don't be frightened that you're going to drown under it. Actually, he will bring you so much joy as you walk into the plan that God has for you. So maybe if uh, um, Malk and Dan and Luke and Gemma could just go and pray for them while I bring some more words. That would be good. Um, Andy Joyce, are you here this morning? Andy, yeah. I just uh, felt, I know a little bit about your situation, so you do need to weigh, weigh this, but um, I just felt God say you're in a really difficult time um, and you're not really sure what to do in, in some of the situations that you are in. And you've always known what to do in the past. You've just, naturally, God's given you that gift to be able to walk into a situation and, and discern what the right thing to do is. But in this situation, you, you're just not sure and you're really thinking, how do I break this situation? And I just felt God would say to you, just look for the man of peace, that there's a man of peace in the situation that you're dealing with who will open up everybody else to you and you're to ask God to reveal that man of peace to you and then you're to go to him just like in the gospels it says to find the man of peace that actually there's a man of peace in your situation you need to pray that God will give you the discernment to find that man of peace so uh, Robin and Celia do you want to just pray for Andy and then Peter Hi. Um, I just uh, felt that God is going to open up an unexpected path for you. I did ask for more clarity on that, but God didn't give me any. Um, but that there's an unexpected path that he's got for you. And he's placed you here in this church family so that you can be strengthened and loved and looked after as you do things that you've never expected to do. I really found when I was preparing about Mary that you're, you're Mary. You know, you'd, I know you're a boy. I'm not saying that. Um, <laughs> that you're a bit like Mary. You know, you've got these things. You're almost thinking, well, God, God won't use me. I'm just like a normal chap. But actually, God is going to use you to do some really amazing stuff. And I just felt really excited by it. Um, and I, I just want you to take faith that God has put you here. He's reignited you for him because he's got some stuff for you to do. So, Dan, would you be all right? Um, Andy, sorry. Would you be right to pray for him? Um, and the other person's not here. I don't think. Okay. Uh, and for the rest of us, sorry, a little interlude there. But for the rest of us, I just really felt that there's those who feel, you know, that God can't use you. You're someone who just doesn't get used like that and that God's not going to use you. But actually, God wants to use you. He wants you to actually believe that he can use you. I think there's people here that you've got. Actually, you're really prophetic. 
but you don't ever use prophecy. You don't ever use words of knowledge, but God gives them to you all the time. And you sort of question it constantly, but God is giving you words of knowledge. You don't, you don't come and share them at the front because you just think, oh, it's just me. It's just me thinking stuff. It's not... But actually, God wants to use you. We'd love to pray for you that God would um, just help you to understand that he uses us to extend his kingdom. And the second grief is I just felt there is a group who've lost faith because of disappointment. And I did actually feel that it was older people. Um, You know, the thing I really respected about Paul was that he never lost faith, either in a person or in that God would extend his kingdom. He believed completely and utterly that God would advance his kingdom in Halsham and that the church would be the vehicle that that happens through. He never gave up on it, did he, ever? He was always completely faithful with that. But I feel there's people here, you've lost faith because it's just been so disappointing. Your kids are away from God. Your life hasn't gone the way you thought it would. It's just really hard work, generally. But actually, God just wants to give you the faith to believe that God fulfills his promises. And then thirdly, I feel there's a group that you just need bravery. You've stopped being brave. And you're not, you, you feel like, oh, just not that type of person. Actually, whatever, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, loud or quiet, God has got stuff for you to do, and you need to be brave. Um, one of the men we met this week, um, he's... He, yeah, he's quite a quiet chap, really. And, but he's like the bravest person I've ever met in my whole life. He's had to dress up as a woman to escape. He's had to climb into the back of planes to fly into places. He's had to leave his hotel room in the middle of the night because people are coming to kill him. People are trying to kill him all the time. He just advances on. He just carries on. He's just full of bravery. You, do you know, honestly, until he, you know there's something special about him because he's got that wonderful presence of a man of God. But he just is a normal chap. He's just quiet and he chats to you. He's a bit nervous. He speaks with his eyes. But he is extending the kingdom of God in a way which just totally blows your mind. When he talks to you about it, you're just a bit like, oh, oh yeah. And like, what did you do last week? Oh, not much, not much. Definitely no planes and no knives. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, it doesn't matter what your character type is. God wants to use you to extend his kingdom. So I'd love to pray for people for bravery. So whilst uh, Nairn plays the next song, there'll be people to pray for you on this side. <laughs> I, can't, I still can't do it. Right, there we go. On right, right there'll be people to pray for you. Uh, I really feel, as a church, it is time for us to wake up and to be brave and advance the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is advancing forcefully and forceful men and women lay hold of it. And it's time for us as a church, it's time to lay hold of the gospel of Christ, to stop being afraid. The kingdom of heaven is going to extend across the whole earth. And it's here in Halsham as well. We are on the earth. We are. It's there on the map. We are there. And so the kingdom of heaven is going to advance here. Do you know, I really believe that as, as we partner with people who, and from the persecuted church, as we, str- as we try and serve them in some way, and it is you as the church serving them, and that's how they see it, that actually as we do that, that God is going to bless us. Of course he is going to bless us. He's going to pour his blessing and his love out upon us. But he's also going to give us some of their strength, their bravery, their courage. We are going to extend the kingdom in Halsham. That's what's going to happen. And God is going to do it. We'd love to pray for you to gain that bravery that Jesus has for you. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.